We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Podcast presented by FanDuel. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. It is Thursday, November 15th. It is Amari Stoudemire's birthday. James, do you know how many years old Amari Stoudemire is? I will say the number is higher than I would have guessed. I'll guess 36. I'm sorry that's incorrect. He's 35 ah. today. Um, Amari Stoudemire was drafted in 2002. Is that right? I, not, don't, not. I don't. I don't have that in front of me. But okay, neither sound, do I. Sounds, which is why I'm asking. Sounds like something I'd believe. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So happy birthday, Amari. Thirty-five years old. Um, one of the all-time great Mavericks. Uh, a great Heat at the end of his career. Agreed. Had a nice run. Yeah. Great Heat doesn't really sound uh, sound all that great. But um, we have a lot to get to. You and I have been exchanging ideas for this podcast all week. Um, it's been about eighty twenty. Me giving you ideas. And you kind of shooting most of them down. Um, the, ones, the ones we're discussing are the ones that I like shut down with the least amount of energy. Well, I think we should be clear. I 
you shut down almost all of them. But then I kind of <laughs> kind of resubmitted them, and it was like you have to let me talk about some of these. Um, so this is kind of the watered down version. But we'll start with a topic that I think we both want to hit on, and that honestly, after watching last night, I feel obligated to talk about Joel Embiid, who we pretty much know for a fact is not even close to 100% in terms of where his endurance should be at. Uh, I think health-wise, like in his knee and whatever else, foot, back, whatever else has ever ailed him, that appears to be fine. But if you watch any Sixers games this year, it's very clear that he doesn't have his full wind. And part of the reason for that is he's really not doing anything other than playing games. They're not putting him through a ton of full-speed practices, probably hasn't practiced full-speed since before the season. And even you know when you're in the thick of the NBA season, most teams are probably only getting one or two full practices a week, if that. I think if you're on a road trip, oftentimes you'll go two, three weeks without practicing. Uh, but despite that, Embiid had by far the best game of his young NBA career last night in L.A. Were you able to catch any of that? I know I'm sure you went back and watched the highlights, but were you watching it live? I was not watching it live. You were not? Okay. But I did, I did watch the highlights. Uh, did you see that it was just the only other person? Well, can you guess who the only other person to, I think it was something like it had to be 45 points and then the 15 rebounds. So he finished with 46, 15, seven, seven assists, seven blocks. Right. And there's only been one other player in NBA history that's done that. Tractor trailer. <laughs> uh, Nazi Mohammed. No, I mean, is it, is it, I'm sure I saw this last night somewhere. Wilt or Hakeem Kareem. or Robinson. Kareem. Kareem. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that, those are the kind of comps that when you, when you throw in seven assists with a game like this, there are not many big men that, you know, have, have one put up 45 and 15, you know, two added seven assists. And then you have the seven blocks on top of that. So, I mean, this was one of those games that really, really flashed the type of potential uh, that, that Joel Embiid has. And granted, it came against one of the worst defensive teams uh, in the league, or at least over the last few years. The Lakers have actually been better on D this season. They're fourth in defensive rating, oddly enough. So I, I should walk that back. They haven't been that bad. But they don't necessarily have the type of player um, to match up with Embiid. We saw him abusing Julius Randle for much of the night into the fourth quarter. Brooke Lopez, not a great matchup for Embiid. He took 19 free throws. Uh, He's taken 35 free throws now over his last two games, which for a guy who's, I don't think he's really on a minutes limit right now. He's played 36 minutes uh, or 35 last night, 36 against the Clippers a couple nights ago. So whatever kind of artificial minutes limit he was on seems to be gone. Uh, but still, anytime you can limit wear and tear and get a bunch of those points at the free throw line, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, he was as efficient as it gets. I mean, I, I don't think there's a more efficient uh, scorer in the league right now. And you're totally right about his conditioning slash health. I mean, he just wasn't moving that well and, still put, floor, and really. still put this monster yeah. lineup. Like, he looked like he was kind of on his last legs almost like it just didn't look right great like he wasn't there was no explosiveness mm-hmm. there was no uh real fluidity like I mean when he gets the ball within a certain distance of the hoop it's kind of game over and yeah uh he really had the mid-range work and did uh, you see the euro step I want to say it was somewhere in the third quarter uh it's not coming to mind but the my favorite play that he had in the game was a really dirty just like bounce pass in the lane to Simmons like Mm -hmm. Simmons was cutting down the middle of the lane he had it on the the far post and just kind of 
like no look bounce past yeah. it to Simmons for a layup like how many centers can right. make that pass well he had one too in the first half um the Sixers got out to a really quick start it looked like it was going to be a huge blowout but as the Lakers have done for much of this year uh they were able to climb back into it but yeah he had one where he was kind of at the top of the key doing you know kind of palming the ball in one hand pivoting all over and you know just when it kind of looked like he was about to throw an errant pass or have to throw something up you know just flips it over over all the defenders right into the hands of Simmons for a dunk I mean his passing I think is something that is probably underrated overall I mean I I think it's so easy to talk about the scoring the rebounding the shot blocking but um, you know for a guy who could if if Ben Simmons wasn't there I think his assist numbers on the year would look a lot better but I mean he showed last night that if he needs to be he can be one of the probably three or four best big man passers in the NBA and this is a guy that still played what 30 what I don't even know how many games has he played in his career now I guess it has to be over 40 right yeah I mean it's like it's 45 def- it's definitely like under like 70 like uh, yeah. we had like uh somebody in the office was talking about like you know how great their buy of him was in one of our staff leagues this morning and it's like well whoa 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 whoa, whoa. like pump the brakes yes he has like the potential to be all-time great but we're not very far we're 14 games into the season he hasn't gotten hurt yet but like I I would not be celebrating as a why'd you have to say that like it's just it's scary when I when when you watch him like I mean I I forget who I saw if it was a tweet or podcast or something but like whenever he falls down I'm just terrified because it just never looks good because he's Mm. so big like there's so many moving like body parts like it's just it never you're always worried that it's the one you know it's the one that's gonna end his season or whatever and yeah I mean so far so good but uh I'm really just kind of crossing my fingers at this point yeah I mean it's uh, you kind of there's a lot of players in the league like that where you you kind of hold your breath when they go down but he's easily at the top of that list Jason Tatum Jason Tatum Brandon Ingram honestly (laughs) I was watching him last night like he his legs seem like they're too long like there's just nothing he can do like he just like he had a steal and a dunk late in that game and there was no reason for him to like go flying into the stanchion like he did he didn't get pushed there was really no one all that near him he just like kind of lost it like he's as good as he is and he's he's outperformed what I thought he would do thus far he still kind of has that like baby giraffe way of moving around like he he doesn't quite have the fluidity of uh, Mm -hmm. uh of like Kevin Durant type but as we'll get into later uh there are not a lot of comparisons for players like Ingram and you know long lanky guys who can handle the ball um but yeah I mean to wrap up Embiid I mean it it really kind of Embiid's performance overshadowed what was another really really good game by Ben Simmons 18 points 10 assists 9 rebounds 5 steals and a block only one turnover didn't take any threes he was 2 of 4 at the line free throw shooting continues to be an issue Um, but he has some moves that aren't good shots for about 95 percent of players in the league like these sweeping hook shots that Simmons has uh you know kind of make me nervous but for him I think that's it's a real weapon it's not like he's just getting caught in the air and has to throw something up Julius Randle style like that's that's a real shot that he has in his arsenal and it's been really tough to defend yeah he's a super weird modern guard he is good at so many things that no other guards are good at and really bad at like one major thing that almost every other guard is good at mm-hmm. so uh i guess it, you could even throw free throws in there too he's he's not good at shooting unless it's unless it's close to the hoop he's just not good at shooting and yet he is i don't know is he already a top 25 player in the league that's a good question um top 30 
Top four. I mean, for sure, top forty, mm-hmm. right? Because I think we have to consider what he does. One as a passer, and then two on the defensive end. He's been a lot better defensively than I thought mm-hmm. he was going to be, especially his rookie year. I mean, yeah. it's 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 a kind of a technical rookie year, but right. how many? I mean, most rookies, even like the ones that end up being good defenders, take a couple of years before they're actually really good on that end. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I think it goes without saying that we've been thoroughly impressed with him. Lonzo Ball did not play in the fourth quarter for the second straight game he looked terrible for the majority of this game overmatched not confident breaking everything as usual well he was only minus 18 he was only minus 18 in, in 21 minutes, minutes. <laughs> um yeah i mean he he really was bad 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 like got matched up on simmons a couple times and that was just over within about two seconds uh had a couple turnovers only two assists i don't know man it it's not good. He's clearly has zero confidence when it comes to shooting. I might I'm I'm sort of there on him just being a bust. I know it's I know it's <laughs> like uh 15 games in. I just I can't remember ever seeing an NBA player look this bad that ended up being good at some point. Like to me even like like rookie year Tracy McGrady like with like terrible like numbers like you still that always was different though but well I know I'm, I'm just like trying to think of players that have been really bad and then okay. become good well here's the thing I mean everybody's comping Lonzo Ball to Jason Kidd <laughs> those are reta- ridiculous comps what comps <laughs> okay thank you for correcting yourself um right but I mean I, I, I agree I don't think they're right but Jason Kidd's first 15 games Lonzo Ball's now played 15 sure. games Kidd average nine points seven assists six rebounds two steals shot 33 percent from the field and shot 14 percent from three so for as bad as lonzo has been as a shooter jason kidd was worse okay so, I mean, I, so if you believe the kid comp then I, don't I, well out. i don't but i so i think there are two things to point out there uh i think you can throw jason kidd's three-point shooting completely out the window because of like this wasn't an era where everyone was coming into the league with like a ton of three-point uh shots under their belt like in college and stuff like that i mean it just jason kidd wasn't a good three-point shooter till after he was no longer really jason kidd and lonzo ball was a good three-point shooter in college and now he's not like it's it's almost more concerning to me the other way around like if if shooting threes wasn't a part of lonzo ball's game like a he wouldn't have gone in the top five but true be like you wouldn't be as alarmed by the fact that it's it's a big issue now and then secondly like jason kidd especially like first eight nine years of his career was a ridiculous athlete for the position uh, not necessarily in the way that like derrick rose or russell westbrook are ridiculous athletes but just just intensity yep. uh just dominance of the ball like well, dominance i think he was almost more game. like athletic on defense right like sense, just yeah. just kind of just a, a freak um just you know all over the ball like if when he has the ball like the it's it's complete the whole game is revolving around him but with Lonzo Ball when he has the ball it's kind of like uh he, it's it's just not pretty it's it's not you never think you that, don't like, get that he's feeling. in control like right. even when Jason Kidd wasn't shooting well it was still like this is our point guard this is this guy's running the show and right. you don't don't really get that no that's true um that's an interesting point like it had had Lonzo been a 30% three-point shooter at UCLA, how much does that affect his stock? Because I think that's part of the sell with the Lakers. And, you know, had the Lakers not taken him at two, he probably goes three or four or five, wherever. Um, Part of the sell was that, okay, this guy needs to add strength. He's not a great finisher. He doesn't draw contact. He doesn't get to the line. 
but we can live with that because he's a great passer he rebounds well and he's a 40 percent three-point shooter all of a sudden when you go from a 20 percent difference in three-point shooting that overall package isn't nearly as attractive i, I honestly think uh I think if if you've played basketball before, even at just like extremely low levels, like you, uh, Roto Hoops, sure, like you can relate to the difference between like like when we play like Roto Hoops, like I'm always extremely comfortable like just popping threes, and I feel like I shoot a, a fairly decent percent there. But like when we're playing like a, a really tough team in like our like MSCR league, which is which is a bit more competitive. Like I'm never really that comfortable because of the amount of work I'm putting in on the other end, just kind of the amount of uh, defensive pressure that you're dealing with on the offensive end. I'm never that comfortable uh, from three, but like, I I feel like that's kind of what Lonzo was in college. Like he was never really uncomfortable on the offensive end because he just kind of, you know, a had all these good teammates around him. Um, like they were, they were always just so much more talented than the other teams they were playing and there just weren't players most nights that could check him. Right. Well, so do you buy into this whole, like De'Aaron Fox was that guy and then we saw him wilt twice. I, I think that I don't think like, I don't want to make it seem like he just wasn't up to like the moment. I think it's just when he was up against good competition, he wasn't good enough to match uh, the guy across from him. I don't think it was just a like, oh, he just isn't built for like big games. Right. Yeah, I don't. Just, I don't like when people just throw like, that around yeah. like it's a mental thing. Yeah, like, I think like, he just. I just think I his think, his he's not skilled enough right. to when you're dealing with an elite NBA quality athlete at that that you don't have a size advantage, you don't mm-hmm. have an athletic advantage over. You have to have that just next gear yep. of offensive ability, and I, I feel like he's just never really comfortable out there. Um, the game against the bucks where like that was his like best game right um Mm -hmm. like he was getting all kinds of looks from three especially in that game that he hasn't been getting this season like the the scouting report on him i don't know if they just didn't bother to put it together but like he it was (laughs) very possible i mean he was getting like ucla looks like he was just getting really clean three-point looks with Mm -hmm. nobody really near him and as long as they're as long as you're kind of um what is it when he's dribbling with his left hand, he's about to go into a shot. Like somebody has that as a scouting yep. report on him. Like as long as you're following you the scouting right report. Whatsoever. Yeah. Like as long as you know what he's going to do and you stay there, like he's just not talented yeah. enough to get his own shot right now. Yeah. I think he's someone that, I, I mean, the word front, like a front runner comes to, comes to mind. <laughs> I don't think that's right. Like I know, but I think he's a player that when things are going well, like he's, he's like going to make them go even better. You know, like he's like, he'll, if you get a 10 point lead and you know, guys around him are hitting shots and he can be the engine, he can play really well. But I don't think you can ask him to go possession for possession, you know, in a close game and get you bucket after bucket. Like he, he plays well with the lead. He's really good when things are going well around him. And as we've kind of seen when you're in a situation with new teammates on what's not the most talented team, I don't know that he quite has the skill set uh, to lift that team, but you know, 15 games in, we'll we'll reassess uh, real quickly before uh, we talk about Fanduel. Chris Douglas Roberts. I know you don't want to talk about this. I don't understand why you don't want to talk about this. Just, this is I a cool story. I don't think it's that interesting. I think it's very interesting. Chris <laughs> Douglas Roberts, uh, probably on my pantheon of all-time favorite college players, former Buck, um, former a lot of teams actually. Net, uh, also Mav, Bobcat, Clipper, etc. He is now going by the moniker, self-given Supreme Bay. 
Uh, that's B-E-Y, I believe. So not like B-A-E. Um, but he's kind of done with basketball. He doesn't watch basketball. He doesn't play basketball. He has no interest in playing competitively. Sounds like he might be doing some cannabis. Sounds like he's doing some pot, doing a lot of skateboarding. Doing some pot. He's doing pot. And uh, he's just kind of trying to make this into his new lifestyle. It's, I don't think this is quite like a like an OJ Mayo situation where there's like serious concern. Uh, and also we should say there's a, an article on fan sided that, that dealt, that dove into this yesterday, which is why we're talking about it. Um, but it, I think it kind of reminds me of Larry Sanders where he's got his money. He's not being reckless necessarily, but now he's just kind of turning into a, a lifestyle connoisseur, uh, rather than a basketball player. So do you have any thoughts on this whatsoever? If not, that's okay. Uh, I mean, I, I just think it's, you know, I'm happy for him that he's enjoying his life right now. I mean, it, it seems like a pretty fun life that, that he's leading. I mean, it's, I, I think a lot of people would be, you know, if you just gave me, what do you make playing like 3 million, something like that? More than that. I don't think so. Yeah. Oh yeah. Overall. Uh, career. Oh, no, you're right. Career earnings are just over 3 million. Yeah. I think the article said more. I mean, I'm sure um, he had other, I mean, you, sources. so you take away like, you know, agent fees, taxes, everything. You probably yeah. cleared like 1.5. Uh, like if you gave me 1.5 million, I mean, who's to say I wouldn't go hang out on a beach, you know, I mean, or hang out in Arizona or whatever, and just kind of do what I wanted to do. Because if you're, as long as you're just not living like some maniac, you know, right. um, who wants to, who wants to go to work? You know, I, it's, uh, I, I don't begrudge him at all. I, I think that that's a, you know, we've kind of seen Larry Sanders, uh, who made a lot more money than that. Quite um, a bit more. OJ Mayo, who made a lot more money than that. Like it's a lot of it's, former bucks. It's <laughs> not, it's not a right. Yeah. The buck, they all just go to Milwaukee and yeah. they're just like, I'm, I'm done with this basketball. <laughs> <stuff."> <laughs> I've seen enough. <laughs> who, who is the most likely current player that you could in like three oh, years that you wouldn't be surprised. See, I wish you'd told me this C- was coming. Well, CDR, I'll give you time to think CDR kind of backhandedly took credit for like the way that Kelly Oubre dresses and, <laughs> and like cares for That's himself, which, uh, which is fine. Um, I mean, I like, J.R. Smith comes to mind, but I oh. think he's too. Uh, oh, he's got too much baggage. Right, um, I, he wouldn't be able to get away from it all. I don't like think J.R.'s. He, he couldn't I, even go to China and like leave his bag. Like I takes, think his whole like family. Came right, it, it takes like a certain like cerebralness um, that I don't know that J.R. necessarily <laughs> has. Right. Uh, man, I I like I like the Ubre one. Um, I feel like you have to have their like physical characteristics. That is Mario ways. Chalmers an option. Mm, no, I mean, we should he, probably talk about his. He doesn't look. Cool, he doesn't really look cool enough to be headed down that path. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> he's from Alaska. I don't. I don't um, know if like, he's disqualified based on that. I mean, could like Robin Lopez go down that route? Uh maybe. He, I don't know. He's a comic book guy. I don't, I don't yeah, think so. Yeah. I mean, Ubre um, might be the guy. Who knows? Man, I'll try to. I'll try DJ to think Wilson. of one throughout the. <laughs> DJ, yeah, well, we, we yeah, should probably start with the Bucks. The Bucks pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, where are you at, by the way, on Chalmers with this headband cornrow situation? I, I think it's perfect for him. I think that's, yeah. that's exactly as cool as Mario Chalmers should look. I, I, it, I texted it works, you the other night. Like perfectly. He, he, remi- he looks like Nick Cannon when Nick Cannon used to play in these celebrity <laughs> games sure. in like yeah. 05, and it was headband yeah. over the years, cornrows. Like not long ago, yeah. the NBA was devoid of anyone wearing cornrows except for Kawhi. Uh, and there's, there's been a bit of a resurgence, right. which I'm glad to see. Which, which is good. Uh, basketball is back, James which means FanDuel 
is back. It's fantasy basketball for everyday fans with new contests starting every day. That means no busted seasons. FanDuel offers something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from. Starting at just $1, all you have to do is pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score in real time. Uh, Will you be playing on FanDuel tonight, James? Not tonight. Not tonight. Okay. It's only two games late, so understandable. Hey, hey, all the more reason to, you know, if if you're listening, get get your lineups in, because there'll be one shark out of the water. (laughs) Uh, Well, James will not be one of the two and a half million players tonight who have won cash playing on FanDuel. Uh, but to take advantage of our special offer for new users, you can sign up today at fanduel.com slash RW. If you do that, that will get you a free six-month Rotowire subscription with that first deposit. Just visit fanduel.com slash RW. You could read James's prospect rankings uh, for baseball, mm-hmm. which you if you're listening to this podcast is certainly something you're interested in. Uh, but remember, if you do redeem that offer, it is void where prohibited. I don't know what that means. It's something that I've been hearing at the end of these reads for all my life, uh, but we have to say it. So it's void where, void where prohibited. Let's talk college, guys. Well, hold on. Excuse I, me. Go I, ahead. Have, uh, I have another candidate. Oh, okay. Um, Great. Wilson Chandler. Oh, yes. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a really Al- good one. Already in Denver. Um, sure. You know, I mean, I think he's his career – Coming into the year, you might not have thought it was winding down, but based on how he's played so far, uh, <laughs> he's proven otherwise. <laughs> it's, it's not looking that great sure. for his long-term Chandler, odds. That's, of, a, that's a great, great answer. Yeah, yeah. I, thought I don't so. know what it is about him. It just I could see that. Yeah. Absolutely, he fits the prototype. He's kind of getting into that sweet spot age where right. he's made his money. Right. And, you know, I mean, I mean, if I'm Wilson Chandler and I read that Chris Douglas Roberts article, I'm like, what am I still doing, hooping? You know. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like an out-of-body experience reading and that. and he could afford to just like he doesn't have to go to arizona he'd go to hawaii you know he could do go uh, anywhere yeah, he, could, yeah. he could go and you go to he's south probably, dakota i bet, I bet he he's made like over i bet he's made over like 40 million after taxes wilson chandler in his career just based on basketball income i know at one point he had an endorsement deal with pony that probably paid him <laughs> way more than he's paid in the nba 46.4 million dollars that's not bad no. Now we don't know how much of that he saved. Uh, well, that's um, not counting this year when he's he's making sure. twelve million, so close to sixty mil. Yeah, I mean that, that seems like a lot. Look, that's, you could do you could go a long way with that. I, I again, not sure how much he saved. That's key. That's one thing I would tell people at the rookie symposium is like, hey, Chris Douglas Roberts is able to do what he's doing now mm-hmm. because he saved some of his money. Someday you'll be able to. Do <laughs> like, it. Someday you want to be. Chris you don't want to not be able to do what Chris right. Douglas Roberts is doing. Exactly. All right, let's talk college, guys. We got a look at Marvin Bagley late last week with Duke playing a couple cupcakes. Uh, same with DeAndre Ayton at Arizona. Same with Mobamba at Texas. And same with basically all the other freshmen and, and a couple sophomores like Miles Bridges that we're keeping an eye on. Unfortunately, we had the Champions Classic on Tuesday, and Marvin Bagley got his eye almost poked out early in the first half, didn't play the rest of the way, might end up missing a game or two. So we really didn't get to see the main attraction uh, but still uh, a lot to keep an eye on, uh, certainly Tuesday night and, and going forward. So what what are your initial impressions from what you've seen thus far? We'll start with Bagley. He's, I, I, I think he could stop playing right now and he'd be a lock to go number three or in the top three overall in the draft. Uh, no higher than three. I know, I know that he, you might like see some rankings where he's behind Doncic or behind Porter or both. Uh, I think he's more of a lock to go number three than Michael Porter is. I just don't, 
I just can't see any way that based on his size and current scoring ability doesn't go that high. I mean, he's just the perfect type of player for today's game. Like just with his size, his switchability, his, you know, you could play three, four, five, uh, you know, you had a guy like Jonathan Isaac last year who was getting talked about as potential top three, uh, top ended up going uh, top five. Um, you know, I mean, Bagley's like just a way, way, way better version of Isaac. Like it's it's the same kind of size, the same kind of switchability, the same kind of defensive upside. But he's just already an extremely gifted scorer, especially around the basket. Like, I mean, whenever he he can get a terrible post pass he can get an offensive rebound and like surrounded by three people and he still finds a way mm-hmm. to score obviously going against college players it's kind of different but uh you know i'm i was really impressed i don't really have a good sense yet what his ideal position is going to be i think that you could make a case that in a couple years he might be just a perfect modern day five uh based on the length and everything you might have to add a little bit of weight but um, and I, I don't, I don't think he was as impressive moving laterally defensively as I, as I've heard people say he was, but, um, and the, obviously the shot is a work in progress, but you know, his, he's got everything that you can't teach. So mm-hmm. very, very, very impressed by him. He's more of a, or at least the way Duke's using him more of a low post guy than I thought, you know, you watch those high school mixtapes and mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to get a read because when you're by far the best player, you just kind of get to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But from what we saw in the two games that Duke just blew out these terrible teams last week, and even in the beginning of this game against Michigan state, he he's just running to the block and kind of working from there. He's very much comfortable catching, you know, if you're, if you're looking at the top of the key at catching on the right block, going left and <clears throat> trying to finish with the left, you know, whether that means kind of a hook shot or getting right to the rim and laying it in. Uh, and that's, he's definitely left-hand dominant at this point. I think the right hand is going to have to improve. Um, but you and I kind of talked about <clears throat> comparisons for him and there just aren't like, I don't no, know. He's you. not, he's not Towns. <laughs> he's not Durant. He's kind of somewhere in the middle. You're like he's not the score that Durant was by any means, even though body style wise, they're fairly similar. And no. he's not quite, the quote-unquote well, true big man that Towns was? This is what I think is awesome kind of about this new era of prospect analysis is just the way the game's changed. Mm-hmm. It's really getting hard to come up with comps. And, like, like I don't, you know, I've refused to throw out Luka Doncic comps. I, I don't. Everyone knows I'm, I will not I'm, comp Luka Doncic. I'm with you on not comping Bagley. Like, I don't, I just don't see... Like physically, just in terms of measurements and uh, the way he moves, I see some Kevin Garnett. Sure. But it's just completely different, like what their MO is. Like Bagley's a scorer. Kevin Garnett was just a intense defender who eventually got good at scoring. Um, it's just we're, we're going to have this for the next couple of years where guys are coming in at like 6'11", that have just buttery three point shots. Right. And like, it's just like, who is this guy? And, yeah. And it's, it sucks. Cause it's like, there's Durant, there's Giannis, there's like Anthony Davis. Like, yeah, none of those are fair. You're pretty much out of yeah. guys that like Paul George is like six ten, six nine. Uh, and even Paul George you know, is like, more like shooting guard than he is right. anything else yeah, in the yeah. way that he plays. Like he's, yeah. he's a perimeter player for sure. Right. You and, run out of comps really quickly. And, uh, you know, with Bagley, it, it's obvious, like, 
if you're Duke, you want to win games, nobody's going to stop him in the post. So that's why he's mm-hmm. getting the ball down there. Uh, I just, but like, like I said, like his touch, I mean, it's, it's really rare for a guy that age yeah. to be that good of a finisher. Uh, and it's not, I'm, we're not just talking about like layups and stuff here. I mean, he's kind of like, uh, you know, six foot, like one handed, like not, not even hooks, just kind of like yeah. tossing it in there. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. What do you think about Brandon Ingram for a comp in some ways? Like Ingram's probably a better ball handler, but they're both kind of gangly players like that who, you know, Ingram, Ingram's fairly smooth for his size, but a lot of his baskets thinking back to Duke were, you know, kind of get, get into the paint, you know, absorb contact, get around contact, lay it well, in. Like, see, and I, I don't, I don't love it. I just, to me, Ingram, even in college was just extremely smooth shooting yeah. the ball from, uh, you know, like 12 to 18 feet and Bagley, I Bagley, he's skinny, but he's, a power player i think yeah, when he's true. around the hoop like he's he's a guy that like he'll get a rebound over two or three guys and then finish over right. two or three guys like he's not just relying on getting by his guy and yeah. kind of scooping it in he's just he's a he's a really interesting case i think it would have been interesting to see what harry giles would have looked like healthy because yeah. that might have been a decent cop i mean another lefty another guy who you watch harry giles when he's healthy he looks a hell of a lot like marvin bagley um but no i mean it's a good point like the further you look back you're gonna find fewer and fewer comps you know jonathan isaac yeah he was drafted a few months ago but that's not a bad comp there just aren't that many guys like that uh, as you look back you know beyond 2014 or wherever you want to draw the line i've been based on what i've seen i haven't watched Aiton live at all but the, the highlights from him from arizona's first couple of games and granted he's going up against guys who are six seven six eight at center but my God, like Bagley needs to work on his body and that'll come. DeAndre Ayton has... DeAndre Ayton should stop working he, on his body. He, you brought up David Robinson <laughs> yeah. the other day and like, I don't think that's far-fetched at all. Like he, no. if you want, like David Robinson, this guy looks like and, the second coming of David And David Robinson. Robinson is up there like for people that aren't, um, either, like when you're comping like uh, bodies, like David Robinson's got just one of the most, you know, heralded, center physiques of Mm -hmm. all time like it's just biceps but without being like clunky and just you know all-time body elite like a you know elite athlete up and down the court but also a rim protector Mm -hmm. you know i mean that that's kind of what we're dealing with with ayton and if you want to nitpick you could say that the shot's kind of clunky it's not it doesn't look smooth. I mean, it look he looks looks like a pretty good. He looks like a big might be a little too harsh. He looks like a big man that's kind of learning how to shoot, which is fine. That's what he is. He's a big man. That's kind of learning how to shoot. Like it's not, it's not like a Mm -hmm. very smooth, like, um, like even Anthony Davis, like at that age or, or whatever, like where it just looked more like you could tell, you can tell with some guys that they were, uh, like shooting guards or point right. guards before they had their growth spurt. Exactly. Whereas like with Aiton, he's clearly, he's been a big yeah. guy. I still um, think though, in the grand scheme of big men jumpers, he's like way ahead of a lot of guys he's, at this stage. He's a powerful finisher. Like he's kind of scary. Like if I was, uh, if I was one of these centers or power forwards on these crappy teams, yeah. they're playing out of conference right now. I'd be pretty scared. He uh, had one where he, <laughs> he caught a, what was a, it was a good pass, but not, great location wise like he was basically out of bounds almost under the basket and like in one dribble still didn't get in front of the rim but just rose and like jumped at the perfect angle 
that he just kind of sliced through two defenders, rose up over everybody, and dunked it from basically directly under the basket. It was it was a play that just didn't even make sense. There was another play that you you showed me as well where he gets a post entry from the top and you know all in one motion just bats it right back out to an open shooter on the perimeter right in his hands. You know, and it's a simple little play and something that you watch and probably doesn't even phase a lot of people, but there aren't a lot of freshman big men that have the skill and the touch to make a pass like that, let alone the willingness to make a pass like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you can make a case. He's the best rebounder in college basketball right now. Uh, yes. I mean, maybe either him or Robert Williams uh, or Ethan Happ. <laughs> I think one of the things I've also brought up is I just, I think he's, the degree of difficulty in officiating him for college refs is just kind of off the charts. I mean, we've, we've, and look, college refs are just not even close to as good as pro refs. Uh, and they're just not used to having to officiate a guy that's this big and this dominant where they're going to be tempted to call over the backs mm-hmm. when he's simply just reaching and grabbing the ball yes. from on top of a guy's head. Uh, there's going to be plays where he, makes sweet blocks that are kind of close to the backboard they're going to call it a goaltend when it's not yep. you know just lots of stuff like that that might not go his way but uh i mean he's he's going to be dominant i don't think there's really going to be much uh learning curve like we like uh i, I think jaleel okafor is maybe the last guy the last center where it was just like clear that from day one in college they're just he wasn't going to run into much resistance. Right, like lock to be an NBA star. <laughs> no, the Robinson comp, though, is really good. Lock like, him in. I actually went back and watched some Robinson after you, after you told me that. And, like, neither of those guys are all that smooth, but it's just this, this combination of you recognize as you're watching them play that it's, they're like a true center. Mm-hmm. But the combination of, you know, being able to run like he does, jump like he does, and then still have that kind of strength. I mean, this guy's is he, is he, he's probably still 18. Um, actually he's 19 is he oh he is oh all right cross him off never mind not interested porter and ayton and bomba are all 19 but bagley and don't sit your 18 i think it's on us to (laughs) it's on us to to carry the hype train i think for ayton because as soon as bagley reclassified all the hype shifted there and i honestly think like the casual college basketball fan might not even really know who deandre ayton is or like know what he's all about east coast bias so absolutely i sick at lunch today uh i was talking with a coworker and like so i think i think don't and bagley are barring some kind of injury they're going to go in the top three i don't know if they're going to go one two or three but i think don't and bagley are going to go in the top three and then out of porter ayton and bomba i just think lot like probability says one of those three is going to kind of underwhelm us this year and still might go five, but it's not like right now it's kind of a, a pack of five at the top. And I feel like one of those three for whatever reason, just it's clear that they're not in the same class as the, the other four, or maybe if it's even two of those three, it's clear that they're not going to be in the running for one of those top three spots. Do you agree with that? Or do you think I'm just being too simplistic? And and if you do agree, who, who would your bet be to, to kind of fall out of that top five grouping? So uh, of like the main five, the main five. Yeah. Can you, I don't know. Or do I, you just think they're all such, you know, 10 out I of think, 10 prospects I, they that they it's just are. like, like, like there's some, nothing they can really do. I, I might've been the, whatever the true hoop pod is called now somebody on there yesterday was talking about this that like as awesome as last year's draft was and as hyped as it was like the top of this draft might be better in terms of ridiculous talent i think i don't think there's a single 
front office that wouldn't trade the guy they took in this past draft for a top three pick in this upcoming draft. I think that they would all even I know Celtics fans wouldn't trade Jason Tatum for a top three pick. Well, but Tatum would be in this conversation. I don't think I don't I think see, I don't would. think so. I think he would. I don't think so. Disagree. OK, fair. Um, um, but, but they're oh, different prospects, too. They're like four of these five are, you know, power forwards or centers. I also uh, I mean, we were talking about the Duke Michigan State game got like sidetracked, but I also think it's in play that Jaron Jackson goes yeah. ahead of Miles Bridges in the draft. Oh, yeah. And I think, honestly, I would say it's like 50-50. I think he, he's just... Bridges has a ceiling. He's not going to go higher than five, no matter how well he plays, just given that he's a year older than these guys and he's ja- still going to face these questions that he's like a six six yeah. power forward. Like, I think Jackson would... He's His prospect, uh, the quality of prospect he is right now is right in sort of that same spot yeah. that a lot of the guys that went top six, top seven last year mm-hmm. were this time last year. He's just, he's going to have to prove, you know, we're going to have to see what his, what his strengths and weaknesses are over the right. full season. But I mean, this, his measurables are just off the charts. He's extremely young for this class, which is going to work in his favor. Uh, I mean, his wingspan, he, he's almost got the same wingspan as Aiton and he's going to be a power forward, not you know, mm-hmm. probably a power forward, not necessarily a center. I mean, he's, he's a really interesting prospect. Okay. So before we move on to answer your original question, I think if one of these guys falls a little bit, it's probably Bamba. Um, I think, I think Bagley and Porter have so much hype coming in that it's going to take more for them to fall down. I mean, like, like people will be willing to live with more like off games. Porter does Porter have more hype right now than it, any player from last year's draft had this time last year? I honestly think Bagley is number one in terms of hype. I think I think okay, ESPN, but if you watched I it think, all the last week, has gone all in on Bagley. Sure, but I don't... That's because they're going to be having... They're going to be showing 10 Duke games. They're right, going to be showing, exactly. like, one Missouri game. But, like, yeah. do you think... I, I think Porter is more of a household name than... Yeah, among draft Knicks, I'm yeah. trying to think, like, who would it even have been last year? I mean, f- I think Fultz kind of was that guy but Fultz also but didn't he, have the hype that Porter did earlier in his high school career right like I mean de- like Dennis Smith and Fultz had a ton of hype but they went to like tiny schools kind of yeah. like Porter did well it's um, like if you were rating it in terms of like what the average fan knew or what the average fan was most excited about it's like it's probably Fox and Monk are one too because every well, college right. basketball like, fan loved in, those guys. In December, like, Monk and Lonzo Ball were the two most yeah. famous Lonzo, prospects. Lonzo was like, probably the most hype, I guess, if we're talking general hype but as opposed to, like, scout hype. They had to – it took, like, some UCLA games for him to get to that level. Yeah. Like, coming in, it wasn't – I don't right. think his hype well, was, was where – yeah, Lonzo was not he the was number like the one seventh point best guard. player in the right. Class. He was, yeah. which you know, in the grand scheme of things, is still great. But might have might have been over. Right. Like I no, I agree. I think <laughs> I think very early in the season we were like led to believe that oh, this is how it's supposed to go. It's like I think Lonzo Lonzo in college was probably better than people thought he would be at least initially. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I think Monk probably was too. But um, I I think there's a scenario like say Michael Porter shoots, you know, like. 25% from three, uh, does really struggles with his, really struggles with his handle. I, I don't know. I think that there's a scenario where people just kind of look at him and say, well, like yeah. he's probably going to end up being really good, but there are a couple red flags. Bamba would have to just be so bad offensively. I think for him to fall out just because like at worst you're getting like Clint Capella, that, yeah, but that's true. better. That's you know? true. I, mean, I, I think, I think there's just a chance that Bamba, 
gets exposed a little bit more, I guess, you know, follows out of a lot of games, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like the, the floor for these guys is all really high. Like none of, none of these guys are falling beyond like eight unless something crazy happens. Do you think Porter and Bamba being at, you know, secondary schools in terms of hoops, you know, Texas and Missouri, not going to be on TV love, all the time. I love that Texas is a Well, you know what I mean. I mean, I Texas, know, you're right. I mean, in, in terms of like overall schools, it's probably top five, whatever. But, you know, they're not at Kentucky. They're not at Duke. They're not at Michigan State. Like, does does being under the radar help or hurt you? I think we've kind of seen it bo- go both ways. Like, clearly it didn't hurt Smith and Fultz last year. Uh, I think it's – I think it kind of raises your floor – because I think if you go to a school like Duke, you go to a school like Kentucky, there's a chance that like the scowl type of thing happens where the team is trying to win a national championship and your game for whatever doesn't quite fit with some of the other like, you know, five star pieces around you and it just kinda hurts your perception. Whereas if you're if you're that level of recruit and you just go to a team where you're like by far mm-hmm. the best player on the team, there's only like so low that you can really sink yeah you know? i agree and i think it's the, the blame don't, won't fall on if texas goes 15 and 15 right. it's not going to be because of mo Bamba. missouri could win like eight games and it's not going to affect right. where michael porter goes i told that that i agree with um I, I think it can also help you though like i think it helped malik monk a ton that he didn't go to arkansas you know malik monk scoring 50 points right. on national tv against um, north carolina basically carried him the rest of the year absolutely and uh I mean, I think you could say, like, if, if Lonzo Ball had gone to some school where all of his teammates sucked, like, I he may never, he might not have even gotten top right. 10. It, like, well, if, the if, fact that he went to UCLA might have, might have, like, paved the way for the Lakers to take him. Right. Like, like, if Lonzo Ball goes to Washington State and just, you know, averages, like, 16 and 7 and whatever, but, like, he's never on TV. Mm. Mo, like common fans don't even know who he is he's just he kind of becomes this sort of like sleeper point guard prospect that might sneak into the lottery you right. know i mean there's <laughs> spencer dinwiddie right so i mean there's there's definitely pros and cons mm-hmm. uh for i think for like an a guy that's ready to go like bagley's ready to go like he's ready to just dominate college yeah. hoops uh theoretically porter is too um for those types, Aiton definitely ready to just dominate. Uh, yes, um, like those types of guys, you want to go to the bigger school, I think, because it's there's no way you're getting like squeezed out of anything. Right. But like Scal, just his game was so unique and weird, and Coach Calipari didn't want to use him to you know the best advantage of his strengths and everything. He just wasn't a great fit right. on that team. Uh, okay, so I have Thon Maker on my little list of topics here. I'll let you lead that one off. So he's actually had a couple uh, decent games since I suggested this as a topic, and so it's, it might not hold up. But the takedown might not be quite but, as good. <laughs> but I just i I think the so I think the Bucks uh, the East to me is is pretty wide open. Uh, I think the Bucks need a big man, um, possibly someone of. Robin Lopez's ilk, like a, a guy that, you know, is on a on a terrible team that just needs future assets, but a guy that could start on, you know, half the teams in the league. What about Greg Monroe? <laughs> um well actually I this is that's a different rabbit hole, but I actually think that one of the things nobody's talking about with that trade is that John Henson's been a lot better since that trade, and I think that 
while Monroe was like one of the better black holes you could ask for, he was still a black hole. He was still, even though he'd gotten himself better at defense, he was still not good on that end. I think there has been a little addition by subtraction with Henson being in more favorable spots, not worrying about only playing 20 minutes or whatever. And and he's played a lot better since that trade. Whereas, and, and you don't have some of the negative stuff Monroe was bringing to the table, even though I thought he did a lot, a lot of work to, to get to a point where he was mm-hmm. serviceable for them. But um, just with Thon, I, I don't know. I don't see, I see a guy that might be able to be a low end starter long-term, but I don't see a guy with a ton of upside. Like he, he's so, uh, he's so weak, um, when it comes to just finishing, um, blocking shots, you know, fighting for defensive rebounds, generally playing basketball. Like, Like it's, it's just, it's concerning. And it's in maybe one of the most annoying plays to watch is the big man who's like, you know, six, 10, six, 11, seven feet, either gets a pass or gets a rebound like right under the hoop tries to go up for the two-handed dunk and can't finish it because he just doesn't go up with enough mm-hmm. ferocity I, I guess is maybe the right word and it's just there have been a lot of those for Thon this year it's he's a guy that I'd be willing to, if, if it was just like you know Mirza Toledovich's contract plus Thon Maker for maybe even a guy just slightly Anthony worse Davis. than Robin Lopez yeah. like but like that type of trade at this point, I think I would Thon wouldn't be off the table for me to just to get like a two year mm-hmm. competent center. Like I think that that's yeah because I I think you're you're still probably behind Boston and Cleveland even if you add a guy like Robin Lopez. But you're you know getting to at least the conference finals is totally right. on the table. And then next year is why you make the trade because you're going to have uh you know Giannis another year better um you know Bledsoe Middleton and then this other piece I think next year is is a year where the (laughs) um go to the finals I agree with all those points I think I think Thon is a really nice bit player to have especially on a rookie deal you know it's not like they're paying him 60 million dollars to to average like five points and four rebounds um but I think ideally he plays somewhere from like 12 to 18 minutes, not 18 to 25 minutes. And granted, he's, you know, most nights he's been capped kind of on the lower end of that range. So I, th- I think Jason Kidd's done a good job managing him, but it doesn't seem like he's gotten any better from last year. Like I, I want him to of, be good. I think, I think maybe there was a little bit of a period where he played really well in that Toronto series and the hype was a little too high. There was, prior to that, he really hadn't done anything. You know, and like the Howard Beck, profile on him like Kevin Garnett thing there was like there was definitely a point last season where I think there people were thinking like oh man we the Bucks might have the next you know like the next diamond in the rough guy that becomes like an all-star like that (laughs) type of thing like it's just his ceiling's not even close to that like it's you're you're kind of hoping for sort of a poor man Serge Ibaka I guess but like even that you're just you're never going to get that level of physicality I and it comes in stretches. I mean, he, like you said, he was really, really good last night. Four blocks in that game. The Bucks almost set a franchise record for blocks in a game. Well, there was that one, uh, can't remember who shot it, but Giannis and Thon literally both blocked it at the same point in the air. They yeah. both got their hand on it. Yeah, I mean, he has moments where you totally see why people like him. Um, but, the, you know, this was his first game all year with multiple blocks. He's only been to the free throw line something like 12 times on the entire year. Um, strength certainly is an issue, and it's it's tough when you have that body style. You know, you and I, as 
five eleven uh, white men. Totally understandable. Uh, why it's why it's hard to develop muscle when you're like seven one with a massive wingspan. But I don't know. They're in an odd spot with him. I told. I think they do need to upgrade the center spot. I don't know what that move is. Like you said, Henson's been playing really well, but you also can't play Henson for thirty five minutes a night. No, and and it's. I think he's going to be a a huge liability. I'm I'm trying to think in, in the East who. I mean, Kevin Love. Uh, yeah, Kevin Love took care of Dwight last night. <laughs> like Kevin Love, I mean, Al Horford's not going to punish John Henson. Um, no, but like Drummond. I mean, I, I, really, the only the only one in the East that would stop them from winning a playoff series is Kevin Love. But I'm not even sure Cleveland would be willing to build an entire series around getting Love the ball in the post. No. So. Um, maybe you don't have to upgrade that spot to, to go deep in the Eastern conference playoffs. But I, I just think if they were to run it, like there's some teams in the West oh, that would just do so much work against mm. their front court if they were to, if they were to meet, but, yep. um, luckily they won't have to. That's very, very true. Bucks play. I want to say they're in Dallas next. Yeah. They're at Dallas on Saturday. So pretty good chance to win five in a row. Then you get Washington at Phoenix at a pretty bad Utah team right now, at Sacramento, at Portland. So, I mean, things looking up, certainly, for the Bucks. Eric Bledsoe hasn't even played all that well, numbers-wise, but I think just the presence of non-Delhi on the court seems to have, like, energized this team. Oh, it's been great. Um, do, you, do you want to talk about our, like, sleeper pick slash picks for where LeBron's yes, going to sign? Yes, that is next on my okay. list. Okay. Last thing, did you, did you watch the Bucks last night? I watched, like, the... F- I watched as much of it as I could. I'm really, our listeners don't care, but I, my, uh, my internet has been a, a real issue lately and it's streaming has not been that fun. Lots of Man. stops and starts and the, the people, Sorry for your loss. the people below me in our uh, apartment complex were watching the Bucks game and I think they were probably drinking as well. And so there was a lot of like loud cheers and stuff like that. And so I'm looking at my computer trying to load and it's just like, uh, enough. I can't take this. Okay. Anymore. Well, the only reason I asked was there was a stretch where Langston Galloway came in, in the second half and took, he literally took like 10 shots I, in like I 12 minutes. That. You see, you there were was, able to watch that. There part. Was that was insane. Where, and it was like, um, I forget like the announcer or something was like <laughs> praising like Galloway. Cause he like, he made his first one. Yeah. Which he was, made like, the, the first worst, two, I worst think. thing. That, yeah. And then like, he was just gun in. I had, I had honestly <laughs> never seen anything like that from a player of his caliber. Was, he, he literally took 10 shots in 12 minutes. It, it was, was it was tough. Bad shots, too, like really bad shots. And I think the, his last one was an air ball, and that was it, and he was done the rest of the game. Uh, but, yeah, let's, let's finish up with LeBron, um, a player that uh, has gotten a decent amount of run on this podcast over the years. <laughs> but you and I were kind of just messing around, as we do uh, most of the time in the office, talking about LeBron destinations and what we narrowed it down to what six that we thought were fairly realistic you narrowed it down to five or six i think yeah okay we narrowed it as a group effort (laughs) narrowed it down to six so i don't have those written down but what it was cleveland both la teams houston washington and philly yeah that's that's and caveat not the biggest cap guy in the world i don't know how washington and (laughs) not a big cap guy yeah not sure how the, how this would all work <laughs> math wise, but just in terms of, I'm 
I'm definitely operating under the assumption that any of these teams would do anything yes, within their power yes. to make that space available. And, and that there's to reason to believe that that would happen because that's what other teams have done for right. players like LeBron and LeBron himself in the past. So, well, where do you want to go with Wait, this? Wait, did so you which, include the Knicks? Oh, no, I didn't. So that's seven. So maybe, yeah, seven. That's seven. Okay. Right. Maybe um, we didn't include the Cavs. I mean... Are they the are they the least likely of the seven? And I've watched I've probably watched ninety percent of Cavs games this year, and the more I watch them, yes, uh, we can rule out. So let's rule out the Cavs. Um, so no, I I you know, and and a lot of, I mean, it kind of starts where we sort of started the pod with Lonzo Ball. Like I just I cannot imagine a scenario where he goes to the Lakers because at best based on their cap situation. Um, okay. Well maybe even say, say they attach like Ingram and whatever it takes to get dang off the books. Like you're getting Paul George, LeBron and player three who, I don't know who's the Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Dwayne Wade. (laughs) Um, might be mellow. I I think, I think can Chris Paul get out of, yeah. I mean, so sure. Whatever Chris Paul, um, like I, I just don't see him going there when it's just him and Paul George, a lesser fringe star, and like zero role players. Right. Um, like they, the Lakers needed Lonzo Ball to look like the next Jason Kidd. Um, I mean, they they needed him to have an awesome rookie year to kind of and Brandon Ingram to take a big step forward for LeBron to consider that. I mm-hmm. think. I mean, he's not going to go to a team that's just going to get waxed yes. in the first round of the playoffs, and or even in the second round. LeBron of the knows better than to think he just needs two more superstars right. around him now. I and mean, it's been proven multiple times that he. I think he knows now well, they need especially to go if you're going to the West, right? Of course, yeah. and and so I I just don't see the Lakers happening. Uh, the Knicks, it's kind of the same thing. They, they don't have the Western conference thing going, working against them, but like Porzingis is awesome. Like that's a guy that you would love to play with if you're LeBron, but they, you know, the Joachim Noah deal is probably the worst deal on the books right now. Um, for a lot of reasons too, right. for these type of reasons, because it prevents you from being in contention for legitimate possibilities like this. Yeah. I mean that, that was really, really, really bad. Uh, so I don't think I think it's the same issue. I don't see a way where LeBron can talk himself into there being enough talent on the Knicks, even if they were to just do everything they possibly could. I just don't see there being enough there. Like, I mean, would he go to play with like Paul George and Chris Stapps if like that's? I think it's a possibility if if they could find a way to deal Noah. I mean, they they just don't they don't have an asset. Like, I don't think they could attach. Oh, and the, the Tim Hardaway thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, there's just, no, yep. I just, no, there's no way they, they yeah, could get, they, they can't, they, they can't get the second guy. So it would have to be LeBron agreeing to just go play with Porzingis. Right. Which and, I don't think he wants to do. Right. And so I don't see that one. Uh, the Lakers I, and the Knicks have both they, done this to themselves. They could, like, he want, he clearly would like to go play for the Knicks or the Lakers. I think he's wanted to play for the Knicks. <laughs> I think, I told you the other day, I think he wanted to play for the Knicks in 2010, but yeah. they put themselves yeah. in such a horrible I mean, situation that he the, couldn't do it. Like, we were saying, like, all, 
either of those teams had to do was just for the past six years kind of work themselves into where like the Nuggets are. Just put or, together not even a respectable like, roster, just, but just a semi-respectable like, just like roster. An, okay, like we're not we don't have a ton of money long term on the books. We have a couple interesting young guys. Like that's, that's, it. that's all, all you needed. Need. And like he would that's, have been there. Like the right he, what away. did the Heat have when he went there? Just like, Dwayne Wade, and that was they just had space. They had space. Like, they had exactly. space and they didn't Wade. have things yeah. that impeded him from going there. Right, and that's what these two teams have. Yeah, so those two teams don't deserve him at all. No, they don't. Uh, let's see. So Houston's we, interesting. Let's so, go, let's go okay. there. Houston's my number one pick. Um, Houston, you have James Harden, who is better than any of the players we've just talked about. Uh, still, like, right in the middle of his prime. You have, uh, I think Daryl Morey would find a way to get Ryan Anderson off the books. Yeah, and I don't think that's that hard to do. I mean, like, it's not a desirable teams contract, were, but he's not Joe Kim I'm, I'm pretty sure reports were that teams were willing to take him if they gave him two future firsts. Sure. And I think you'd do that in a heartbeat if it means LeBron's there now. Of course. So, you know, you then you so you get Anderson off, then you have LeBron, you have Harden, you still have uh Ariza and PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon. And Capella. And Capella. I think you'd have to get rid of at least one of those guys. And okay. probably Eric Gordon. If so, you're trying sure. to bring in someone else. Sure. And then and you or could still you, bring Chris Paul. Well that's I, yeah, I, that's see, the thing. You can you could bring in Chris Paul at presumably a reduced price and have to get rid of Gordon and or Tucker, you know, slash Capella, whoever. Or you just go which I don't think this would happen if LeBron goes to Houston. I think Chris Paul would be a big reason for that. Is you just say like screw Chris Paul, we'll just run it with the reason or, Tucker or screw Chris Paul, we'll just have Paul George sure. come yeah, in instead it. of Chris Paul. <laughs> exactly. Like that that I mean that gives us a better chance of beating right. the Warriors. Like I, I agree. So I agree. But I think I think LeBron still irrationally believes that the banana boat guys are like who, who can help him the most. <laughs> like, look at how bad Dwayne Wade is, man. Like, I mean, LeBron, I don't know, man. LeBron like forced Dwayne Wade uh, to come to Cleveland. I feel like Dwayne this Wade year, is terrible. This year has to be kind of a wake up call, though. I hope. It, I think it's like if you, I, if you like lived with like a roommate for like three or four years, and then just eventually, like you're just kind of like, ah, oh, man, you know, it. We had a good run just it's it's not it's just yeah. not working out like that right. type of thing like i think this is kind of that year it's like the last year in his lease where he's just like oh can't re-up like, yeah well know, it's gotta, like do i go take the job in chicago or you know we could stay here and you know run it back and do what we've been doing <laughs> i mean i think i think wade <laughs> he's way too proud but like he really should just retire he's like bad. he asked he's is, an objectively bad he's basketball at the player. point in his career where plenty of greats have retired like this is where he should retire this is the point in his career and like yeah, I, I mean Carmelo's not quite there but I mean he's I think he's, he's quite a bit worse than than most people <laughs> the think Grim Reaper's right coming to OKC um so I think yeah like like we said Houston makes sense and I think it's a town uh I think I think LeBron would be totally cool playing in Houston um I think yeah. I, I just I, it it makes a lot of sense. It to would me. be on a one year deal, you like know. It's not like he's going to sign some mega max. I mean, would I don't love the fit with D'Antoni to be honest, because like LeBron doesn't like to play that fast anymore. But um, I, I don't think that would matter. No, I, think I mean, just, yeah, right. You, like D'Antoni um, would just kind of take a backseat at that point. Does I mean, do the Spurs have any chance yes, at all? I think so for okay. sure. Okay, uh, I, and only because of Pop. Obviously, right. Kawhi being there helps, but I think LeBron respects Pop. Maybe right. he's maybe the only coach in the NBA that LeBron truly truly respects, and I think. I think at the end of the day, that means something. They um, have some cap issues, though, too. I mean, you they have... Do. They have they have in unspurs-like ways have handed out some pretty poor deals. So, well, 
I just don't know. I think it's too soon to say those are bad deals because they're the Spurs. Like I want right, to appeal to their authority of making good decisions, but like we'll see what happens. Um, I don't think LeBron's dying to go play with LaMarcus Aldridge. I think the Clippers, the Jerry West factor, the LA factor, um, you know, Blake Griffin's a better running mate than anyone he's got right now. Uh, I mean, I, I think that they're in play if they can clear enough room for a Paul sneaky, George to like, go there. Kind of deep supporting cast now. Like, would would uh, Paul George, LeBron, Blake Griffin trio be? Is DeAndre out in that scenario? Probably. Probably. Yeah. I would, you'd have LeBron one, play I'd like point. To see LeBron play with like a center like DeAndre. He's never really had like a really good dangerous. lob catching yeah. center. Like Tristan Thompson is kind of close i guess but not really i mean in who's miami the best? Yeah, who's they, they played bosh at center, daniel marshall but like for years it was like the starting five <laughs> big z I don't, yeah it was big z it was eric dampier yeah. it was he's re- that's actually a, a travesty that he's never gotten to play with a guy like that oh he played with Shaq. never mind in cleveland <laughs> right that's right oh, and he played with ben wallace too. prime see Dwayne Wade in Cleveland is where Shaq was in Cleveland Anderson in terms oh, of God. his career. Like, yeah, and Sha- I think Shaq was better in Cleveland I, than I Wade is in Cleveland. Yeah, Shaq was true. still... Shaq, until he retired, was better than Wade Dude, is Shaq, right now. Shaq, when he, where was the last team he played? Because he still went at least... Boston? Boston, I think, is where it all ended. <laughs> as, um, as it often does. So, yeah, when, I mean, he was still... He was an all-star the year before he went to Cleveland. Yeah. He I was mean, at 18 and 9 yeah. in, like... 30 minutes a game for the Suns. Super efficient. Even in Cleveland. Yeah. yeah. Hyper efficient. He led the league in field goal percentage yeah. the year before Cleveland. Yeah. And even in yeah. Boston, I, where, what was it recently? I watched or read something. <laughs> what was he wearing? What number was he wearing there? Was 36. Like, okay. okay. I think. Yeah. Um, but some, some, something I watched recently was, yeah, he was 36. That was bad. He was 33 <laughs> in Cleveland, which is even yeah. worse. Oof. But it was like, oh, the Celtics, when, when Shaq went down in 2011, that's that's when they knew that they weren't going to make a run that year. It was like, wait, yeah. what? Like, you really thought that was the, the last piece? Yeah. But that shows. I mean, people thought 38-year-old Shaq was going to be a difference maker, and he uh, kind of was. Do you want to address the Wizards? Real quick. The Wizards are one that, I mean, obviously I don't think Sixers it would happen. Or Wizards? Sixers and Wizards, okay. yeah. Wizards I'll, let you, I'll let you tackle both Thank of them you. real quick. Um, I appreciate that. Wizards are just interesting because they're in the East and because they have two of the top 10 players in the East. And money-wise, it would be relatively easy to basically swap him in for Otto Porter. There's no bench there. You know, you'd have to fill up the roster with your Richard Lewis's and your Sean Marion's and your Mike Miller's, as LeBron has kind of done for the last 10 years. So maybe that's not that much of a concern. But I think the attraction of playing with Wall and Beal is something that at least LeBron would consider. I mean... The fact that it's Washington and he has really no reason to tie him there doesn't really make this all that realistic. But talent-wise, it's an interesting option. And then Philly, part of me would love that because it would be for one year. It would be so much fun to watch Embiid, Simmons, and LeBron, let alone all these other fun young players they have. But at the same time, I also want Simmons and Embiid to right. kind of like blaze their own trail, and I don't want this one weird year of LeBron playing with them yeah. early in their career. That would that would just be an odd way for it, that to shape. It up. would really screw up Simmons trajectory i think for however many years lebron was there because those guys are basically the same guy at this point Mm -hmm. um and i i hate the i hate the match with john wall it just it would be a a train wreck in the half court i would be awesome in the open court but it would suck in the train in the half court i can't see washington i just I can't see him living there or or calling that home. It just doesn't no. I don't either. I just know. I just think on um, paper it's an interesting. Yeah, it is. Option. I mean, Bradley Beal and Otto Porter are like 
the tailor-made LeBron right. running mates. Exactly, know? yeah. And and I think, I mean, in, in some ways, like, Wall and Dwayne Wade in his prime aren't all that different. You know, it's not what like What if Wade you did a, a great John Wall sign-and-trade? For LeBron? Yeah. God, could, John Wall would just retire, I think, like, if that happened. What if, I mean, what if you go LeBron, Porter, Beal, Oubre, like, Markeith Morris? Is that... Does I mean, that that's do anything fine. For you? I think that's probably the best team in the East, but I think I don't. Like, Wall is the selling point, right? I just, I see. I just think Wall becomes a below average player in the half court when LeBron and him are on the court together. Is he a below average player in the half court now? He's close. He's close. He <laughs> Honestly, no, I don't think he's that. so he's not, bad. He's not that bad. He can't do anything. He's in not that court. bad. <laughs> okay. Well, oh, last thing the, the diplomats. Okay. What are the diplomats? <laughs> the rap group. Right. Well, you know they're you know they're a rap group. I do. Uh, so I know Joel Santana is involved, and I know Jim Jones is involved. And you have to understand that for me, Jim Jones is synonymous with one thing, and that is the sound bowling. Yep. And right. Joel Santana is synonymous with that whistle song, and that's about okay. it. And bandanas that are like, you know, artfully placed yep. atop yep. a head. Lots of uh, red, white, and blue. Um, uh, well, okay. See, maybe, honestly, okay. I don't even know we about start, that. We can start there. Um, so, uh, Cameron, you know, he bounced around as kind of a B C list rapper. Uh, signs with Def Jam and Rockefeller Records, Jay Z's record label, uh, puts out a a huge hit solo album, uh, "Come Home with Me," and then gets to release you know a lot of rappers were really into releasing kind of three four five man groups where they were like the main attraction but then they're like buddies got to you know rap on a lot of the tracks and like them franchise boys well sure i mean the the examples i use were like saint lunatics with nelly um, ludicrous uh disturbing the peace uh terror squad fat joe um it was it was a big thing in the it was a big thing in like the early 2000s that was kind of the the peak of this as a idea and so then the idea is you release like a group album together and their the name of their group was called the diplomats and then like Jewel Santana Jim Jones get to go make their own solo albums after that uh and was it just those two who else is it in this? so there's a guy called Freaky Zeke oh, who of course. Freaky um, Zeke. Yeah, I think he did a lot of the the hooks. Um, Hell Rel. Um, Heard of him. So, so yeah. So, it, but it was mostly Joel Santana, Jim Jones, Cameron. Um, the the first album, Diplomatic Community, amazing oh, that's album. A great amazing album. Uh, double disc, which is rare to pull, tough to pull off. But uh, you know, there are twelve ish bangers on Diplomatic Community. Diplomatic Community two. Not as creative a title. Really? Uh, not, <laughs> yeah, not, not as good of an Tyler album. Perry is the <laughs> not as good of an album, obviously. <laughs> um, but you know, it, I I bought both of them in stores. So sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else. What uh, else there is to okay, say? No, really. that's it. the reason I ask is I I obviously I'd heard of the Diplomats. I knew I in passing had heard of a lot of these rappers, but like you kind of alluded to just before my time. And I'd always wondered like how big were these guys? Cause Joel Santana and Jim it, Jones to people my age, like at least in my opinion are kind of not a joke, but they weren't like 
you were never like a serious Jim Jones fan, you know, so you, just, you have one, one or two songs. There was not like, I would say, uh, the, even like peak of their popularity diplomats was a group that you had to be a pretty hardcore, like either Cameron fan or just like New York hip hop fan okay. to like even know that they had an album coming out. It's not like they had, so this isn't like a Migos situation. They, they didn't, no, 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 not even close. Um, they didn't have like popular singles. Um, they had, they had some songs that should have been popular singles, but oh, that, um, that's a, that's another, for another, another podcast. Uh, but yeah, I mean they, they, it was definitely, you had to be following Cameron like his last album a lot. And then just, be like, oh, he's got a group album with these guys. Like, I'm, I'm gonna go buy it. Like that, it wasn't popular at all. Um, so, I, I don't think, even if they had been around at your time, I don't even think it's a lock that you would have gotten into them. 